0: Let's find out. One, two, three, three. Meanwhile,
1: then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting
0: shall be three. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Hi everyone, welcome to a special crossover episode of the Hall of Greatness and the Triptych. We started out thinking we were going to do a normal mini-sode, just 15 minutes long, talking about Steven Spielberg, and it ballooned to a discussion that was almost an hour long, and truly, Steven Spielberg belongs in the Hall of Greatness for film. So please enjoy this as we discuss our triptych of Spielberg's early work and his later work, and... If you haven't already, if you'd go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download this from, that would be great. And please leave us a review because it does help other people find us when they're looking for us. Thanks and enjoy this episode. We know we really enjoyed making it for you.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the next episode of The Trip those of you who are not familiar with this, what we do is take the best, the most representative, and the work that people think of the first, whether it comes to an, an artist, a musician, an actor, director. Uh, and in this case, we're going to take Steven Spielberg. Uh, now, before we get started with Spielberg, uh, we are going to pull two of his movies off of our list, those being Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan. Uh, reason being because Andy and I, are going to do a future blog, blog or podcast on movies that mean so much to us that it's really hard for us to watch them again.
0: Right, and and also on top of that, I just I feel like otherwise the answer to all three of these questions is just Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, and yeah. that's a that's a because it's so obvious. It's like okay, let's take those off the table so we can have a more fun discussion, a more layered discussion about uh, some some deeper tracks.
1: Yeah, I like that idea. I mean, you and I have talked about movies that really meant a ton to us, uh, and and we, we talked right. about it to the point that we feel like we'll just do a separate discussion of those. So Right. Anyway, okay. So what we're also going to do, uh, Andy and I decided, is we feel like there's two really – uh, distinct eras of Spielberg, which is pre-1995, mid-90s, and post. Uh, so, Andy, right. which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with pre or post-1995?
0: Well, let's, let's start from the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Right. Let's I've, start with early Spielberg. I've heard yeah. that
1: at its very yes. beginning. Um, now, this is not to be confused with uh, The Simpsons' uh, Senior Spielbergo. This is the actual... Steven Spielberg. Get me Steven we're Spielberg. He's unavailable. Then get me his non union Mexican equivalent.
0: Listen, Senor Spielbergo, I want you to do for me what Spielberg did for Oscar Schindler. Uh, Schindler is bueno. Senor Burns is el diablo. Listen, Spielbergo,
1: Schindler and I are like peas in a pod. We're both factory owners. We both made shells for the Nazis, but mine worked, damn it! Now go out there and win me that festival. <laughs> so, So, Andy, please begin. Your pre-1995 best Steven Spielberg movie, or your favorite, I guess, in this case.
0: I'm kind of wussing out here, uh, but you let me have both of these together because they're kind of a package. Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I had a hard time choosing between these two, but if you think of them as sort of one movie, uh, yeah, Raiders is probably the better movie, but Last Crusade has Sean Connery and more Nazis. so. Uh, and the holy grail which uh is is great so uh i just this it, it's so much fun it's pure fun and that's why spielberg was so great especially in the 80s and 90s uh because he he invented the the popcorn movie the the blockbuster flick uh and especially something that was appealing for a a broad range of ages. Uh, Do you remember how old you were the first time you saw Indiana Jones movie, JB?
1: Uh, It probably would have been because it came out in 81. And I think I would have remembered seeing it probably a few years later on VHS. Right. Uh, And likely because uh, last crusade came out. Right. Um, and that was one of the first movies I got to see in the theater. So I would have gone back and watched Raiders.
0: Right. And and I'm of the same way. So sometime in the mid 80s, uh, seeing it on VHS uh, and then seeing Ra- uh, Last Crusade in the theater, um, exact same experience for me. And, but, you know, we were, you know, we were kids at that point And but it was a completely appealing movie uh, to us, you know, thanks to the combined work of uh, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, um, you know, putting, putting this together. So, uh, that I just think that they're great movies. They still hold up. They're a lot of fun. There's maybe a few effects that don't quite work, but overall they they just, they really work. And the fact that they're talking about rebooting it and doing more today shows, you know, just how important and, uh, a, consequential these movies were. And I like that you,
1: you use both of them together. I, I always felt like temple of doom while a decent movie didn't fit in the canon. It just sort of stuck mm-hmm. out there like a sore thumb. And then he made crystal skull and I went, okay, I'll give temple of doom way more slack uh, than I did. Before. Right. But you know, the thing that I like so, so much about Raiders is it's one of those movies that has more backstory than actual story you know you, mm-hmm. you think about the the interplay between george lucas and lawrence kasdan who wrote tremendous films uh in spielberg where you know that they read the uncle scrooge comics and came up with the the boulder rolling Um mm-hmm. uh, the the monkey given the hitler salute that lucas came up with Yeah, uh, i mean lawrence kasdan had all these pages of conversations that the three of them had for the draft. Um, and and a bunch of them had to be cut and and added in different films. Um, I mean, I even like how they disagreed on who he should be. Um, You know, Indiana Jones himself, is he going to be a a kind of a treasure of the Sierra Madre kind of guy or more of a uh, Mm Bond-type pretty boy? And it sort of of came to both, you know, depending on which part of the film you're watching. But um, it actually fell into my uh, most representative uh, movie, because I think it was one of those where Spielberg really got to do a lot of different uh tricks, director tricks you know where they right. didn 't use a lot of special effects. they used models and camera tricks and you know two to five takes at a time don 't waste anything you know don 't show the guy getting chopped up by the propeller blade <laughs> that kind of thing. right so it's right. it 's just one of those movies that you just love director commentary on it, you love the any kind of uh, behind the scenes stuff because it was such a it's such a fun movie how it came about
0: well like and the the whole thing like why Indiana Jones shoots the guy who comes at him with a sword they're they're choreographed to have this big fight but Harrison Ford is terribly sick uh, and just can't do it and so they're just like okay we'll just take out your gun and shoot him and it's like that may be one of the most iconic and Indiana Jones-esque moves in uh all of indiana jones them that's just so perfect uh and because it didn't because they didn't had he to. actually just say let's just they just didn't he say something like let's
1: just shoot this guy yes. or let's just shoot this yeah. dude something like that because he had he had dysentery right he had organ right. trail um yeah anyway <laughs> that's yeah. a great point okay so i i really like your choice there, there's you can never disagree with Raiders of the Lost Ark, especially because as we'll talk about in a, in a future triptych, you had John Williams uh, creating a score that was just so perfect for this character. Uh, I'm going to go with not surprisingly for those of you who know me, Jurassic park. Uh, Those of you who know that I wanted to be a paleontologist as a kid. I love dinosaurs. I think they're great. Uh, I love that Spielberg wanted to make a good sequel to jaws, but on land, as he said, I mean, they, they they got great special effects they got stan winston um you know industrial light and magic did all the, the the compositing i mean they had all this great stuff he brought this whole new vibrance to dinosaurs again which uh, i mean i used to watch the old um you know uh ray harry house and stop motion animation dinosaur films you know and oh yeah um, that, but Crichton, you know, he did his own work. And, and this is one, Andy, that we're going to talk about in the future too, which is books and movies that are both the same in how good they are. Uh, and I think this is a great example because Universal right. threw a lot of money at Crichton to not screw up his book. Um, and, I, and I think uh, he, he he tried to keep <laughs> yeah. too much of it, but and they had a lot of other people kind of doing some rewrites. But I, I think it was great to show that, they really cared so much about this idea that that they had the the actual author come in and and work on the book um <laughs> including taking out some of the really terrible stuff like eating the young kid at the beginning and all, all that kind of stuff so <laughs> right but anyway
0: right and and i think the the best part of this you know it comes back to you know his idea oh well they we spared no expense uh and they're the little things in that movie are what made it so perfect. The fact that you had, you know, Samuel L. Jackson and Wayne Knight in these small supporting roles, but they just they just nailed them, and uh, you know every little thing about that movie worked. Uh, Goldblum did some of his best work. Sam Neill did some of his best work uh, in, and it's just amazing again how well that movie holds up that that's now like over 20 years old and like still really works and again again why hollywood keeps mining that franchise yeah. because there's so much there yeah and because they did it so well the first time
1: well you brought up a really good point which is it was casted so well i mean if you think about who was originally going to be in that movie with harrison ford playing sam neill's part and jim Carey playing jeff goldblum's part I, I mean, it, it just all the mm-hmm. chips fell into a perfect place, and and using Kauai, obviously to shoot it was was just I mean you couldn't have you mm-hmm. couldn't have picked a better location than filming all these places in Hawaii, um, and and some of the places in uh, the Dominican Republic. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 my favorite. It's so hard, like you said, it's so hard to pick a favorite Spielberg movie. But I think just because of my love of dinosaurs, that would be um, my favorite. And I, I don't think they did it a disservice. I know a lot of people bagged on Jurassic park three. We won't mention lost world, uh, but I didn't think Jurassic park three was that bad. I haven't disliked the Chris Pratt, um, the, the Jurassic worlds at all. I, I just think you're right. They, they mind it mm-hmm. and they've really tried to, to keep to some of the, the, the you know, the charm that the initial one had.
0: Right, right. I completely agree. So
1: let's move on. I and I also remember which I thought was great. I remember when McDonald's had the dino-sized meal, which I thought was always great because that was the first movie. There were two movies I remember as a kid going to multiple times in the theaters. Right, the first one was this Jurassic Park. I remember seeing it over and over again with all kinds of different people. I took dates. I took cousins. I went on. You know, I, I went with with friends can you guess what other movie I saw multiple times in the theater as a young teenager? I'll give you a hint. It had Jack Nicholson in it. Batman. Correct. I saw Batman just as many times in the theater as I saw, uh, as I saw Jurassic park. So two of the movies that really changed how I viewed what I liked seeing in theaters. That's
0: so not a bad choice. Not a bad choice.
1: No, I, I, I felt like I did. Okay. So, we talked a little bit about Raiders in in great detail, and and that was obviously my representative uh, Spielberg one. Right? Right. What did you use for the most representative Spielberg?
0: I I kind of want to go with Jaws, but I'm I'm not going to. But th- that's a close second. Okay, I'm going to go with ET. Oh, um, all right. Because ET, uh, you know, I talk about Spielberg being th- the guy who sort of nailed what it was to make uh kid friendly kid centric adventure movies in the 80s and ET was all of that uh mm-hmm. if, you know and and for those of us who were approximately the same age as Elliot when that came out like that movie was very special it's like yeah what what would happen if we found an alien and he came he came to me he was special because of the bond with us and uh you know and here the government's trying to take him away and that's that's killing him um but what's special about him is the bond with the kid uh and we have to take him and send him home it's just such a beautiful simple story and uh very well told um and at the same time uh, Spielberg was able to get away with some stuff in kids movies in the 80s that no way this would fly now like <laughs> calling calling your brother penis breath getting drunk <laughs> <laughs> Elliot gets drunk oh, because E.T.'s getting drunk you know that that would never fly now but hey it was 1982 totally okay somehow or I guess our yeah. our parents just kind of glossed over it, and uh, and here we all are. So there we go. Et
1: is. all right. I like that. So I'll switch gears a little bit and talk about what I think is uh, the one that people think of most, and and you hit on a little bit. I'm old enough uh, that I remember how meaningful Jaws was. Same. And again, we're gonna talk. Yeah, we're gonna talk about uh, post 1995 here in a minute, but. But Jaws to me is it, it, again, it's it's pretty close to uh, the ones we talked about at the beginning where you know movies like Jaws and Raiders could really go across all these categories. Uh, so for me, Jaws is is the one that people think of the most because it, it was one of the first movies that I think people literally stayed out of water. People wouldn't go into swimming pools in the in the community because they were worried that there would be a shark in it. You know, kids were wearing shark fins to scare each other. And, yep. and it was, and it worked like you would never see that happening today, but it was such a terrifying film. And, and it's another one of those where all these crazy things happened, like, um, you know, Benchley writing the script and not being able to write characters correctly. So, you know, they brought in uh, the guy who was working on the odd couple and they all sat down together and they would talk about what kind of improvisations to do, which is, you know, how they came right. up with great lines like you're going to need a bigger boat. Um, you know, so there's all these great backstories of of really what makes uh, Spielberg such a great director, which is he knows how to layer these things. He knows how to, to make the right cast. You know, he didn't want to cast anybody. Charlton Heston wanted to be the wow. sheriff, uh, you know, the in this movie for heaven's sakes and he's like no i don't i don't think that's gonna work so well this was our shore you damn dirty shark um but but i think it's just one of those things where it's another one of those movies where where he had everything just just fall into place and you know, from from George Lucas suggesting Dreyfus and and all, and it just worked out. And I think that's why people think so much of it. Uh, and I remember going to the Universal Studios tour and seeing the big rubber shark come out of the, oh my the water at you, and going, "Really? That's the thing. That, that's the thing that scared me so badly." And you realize what a great job
0: uh, right. Spielberg did to make that well, shark and scary. It's, it's such a all great testament to using the limitations of what you're working on as assets. And, you know, the fact that they couldn't get the giant mechanical ah. shark to work limited the amount of screen time that they had. Yeah. And so they, I mean, he reinvented the monster movie and this whole uh, this whole trope of not revealing the monster... Uh, until the very last minute and viewing it as little as possible because it was so effective in Jaws. And then, you know, Ridley Scott did the same thing in Alien and it was so effective in Alien. And then from there on, you know, if you had a monster movie, you weren't seeing that thing until act three. And that's all because of Spielberg and Ridley Scott.
1: And, and, And we talked about this before we started doing podcasts it, it's the apocalypse now thing where the realism is what makes it such a good movie uh, you know all these problems i mean they like you said they were calling the, the the sharks the mechanical sharks flaws that's the nickname they gave it you know um they they couldn't film it and everybody was getting seasick and things were falling apart and people were getting hurt and uh, all of that turned this movie into a realistic mm-hmm. like you said it, it made the movie more real uh, and i th- I think we've we 've gone so far away from that. you and I talk about how computers write music anymore. Mm. Um, you know there 's too much in a studio where we make movies now, and I think it really robs people of the experiences you and I had where they 're building giant sharks they 're building dinosaurs they're you 're actually floating down rivers in you know the far east to film things um, and, and i th- I think that 's where great directors really make their their mark you know and that's why people like you said like spielberg changed the face of movies to do that right right so so what is yours i mean i i know we've we've covered a lot of them but what would you say is your what's the first one people think of for you with spielberg it,
0: jurassic park for oh, okay. for all the reasons that, that we just talked about and i mean i i just don't think that there's anything more famous than that i mean there are people who have no idea who steven spielberg is who know jurassic park and uh because it's just so iconic and and for all of the reasons that we've already gone over
1: okay all right so let's move to post 1995
0: do do you have one uh that you would say that people think of first or is it one we've already talked about
1: yeah it's jaws to me is that okay I i think i think raiders and jaws to me kind of you know like you said you could go back and forth i really like that you picked Mm et um i i think i think you you look at close encounters i think a lot of our our close friends who are big sci-fi people Mm -hmm. uh would probably pick that one um some of my some of my friends were really moved by empire of the sun Mm -hmm. color purple i thought those were both incredible movies um, and and I think they would fall very closely into the best Spielberg films of all time, right. uh, but yeah, to me, I think I think Jaws and Raiders just had that appeal with him as a filmmaker uh, that really made them, you know, like you said, so iconic. Um, right. Okay, so let's do post '95. What would you say is your favorite Spielberg film post '1995?
0: Controversial pick. Uh oh. Bridge of Spies controversial that so, was a great movie that was a great movie but i think i think most people would think oh well lincoln or whatever um bridge of spies i don't i i can't understand why this movie didn't hit uh i mean i thought it was nearly flawless um there i mean it's a little bit over long and there are parts where it dragged but it also has moments like when uh, Tom Hanks is arguing in front of the Supreme Court. And you're like, man, this is the stuff that Oscars are made of. Uh, you know, they they set this up to be this perfect prestige picture. And um, I just, I think it was done so incredibly well. Uh, I think a lot of that had to do with Spielberg's direction. Uh, and I think a lot of it also had to do with the script by the Coen brothers. So it was very very punchy, very talky. Um, And I think mostly it had to do with the story and the fact that Spielberg said like, this is the story I want to tell. I want to tell this actual story about this guy and how he, and how he got, uh, you know, this prisoner exchange to happen. Uh, I, and again, you know, we've talked about Spielberg being able to cast a movie. Well, this movie was incredibly cast. And, and chief among that is Mark Rylance, who recently has become, it seems like Spielberg's muse. I mean, as much as he's used uh, Tom Hanks, uh, you know, Rylance has been in several of his last few pictures. And I think it's because he's such a great actor and he gave such an amazing performance. Absolutely deserved that Oscar uh, and uh, was did a great job because I shouldn't have been sympathetic to a Russian spy spying on America. <laughs> I shouldn't have been sympathetic to him. Uh and in a sense I was, in a sense I wasn't. Um oh. and but I I got that he was human and I think that was the the great connection and the the lesson of the movie that um you know that Tom Hanks' character was trying to show that, you know, everybody needs a lawyer, even even spies. And, uh, you know, he was willing to stand for them, even though it was a losing case, and uh, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, by, by all accounts, this guy should have been, you know, shipped off to whatever our version of the gulag was, um, but that meant that one of our guys would get shipped off to the actual gulag. So... So what do we do about it? Um, I, I just, I love this film. I thought it was great.
1: Good. Yeah, it was, it was a great film for me, too. I, I I enjoyed it in the theater. I thought it was, you know, where there were pacing problems, I think, was com- compensated by such great acting. Uh, it, mm-hmm. uh, the other Tom Hanks film, is it Road to Nowhere?
0: What's- oh, yeah, Road to Perdition.
1: Road to Perdition. It's that same thing where anytime Tom Hanks is on the screen, no matter what's happening, it's just him being very it's like he's larger than life in in movies like that mm-hmm. uh, and I think you know he he has such a great presence that it really made that movie uh, entertaining
0: okay.
1: I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little different I'm gonna go with one of my favorite movies of all time which is Minority
0: Report oh yes
1: and I know I know a lot of people don't necessarily like how Minority Report turned out uh, I think Again, one of the things you and I like so much about Spielberg is the time he puts into things. Uh, and, and I think Minority Report is a great example of that, where he, he gets all these people together. You know, he had an MIT person. He had some some production designers, and he really puts this these ideas of how to do a great sci-fi movie together. Um, it, was, it was entirely digitally produced, which was, you know, Spielberg's always trying to to push the envelope with those kinds of things uh i i like that you know he and Cruz had wanted to work together forever but never figured it out um but they they came on this this great short story from from philip k dick as you know uh who wrote hundreds of really good stories it seems like um but I, i will we will always enjoy the themes you know free will versus determinism uh, self-perception, all of these kinds of things that this movie really brings up. Um, I, I think it was really well filmed. There's a there's some scenes in there that are really tense, like when he's in the bathtub and you know all, the, all of the chase scenes. And but I think it's just another example of of Spielberg taking a great story, turning it into a great popcorn film, uh, but also keeping themes that are really important. Um, you know, like you said with Bridge of Spies, here we're talking about sympathy for a character which would normally not be sympathetic um and you know in minority report we're keeping the themes of uh, who really has free will and um are we comfortable with that level of commitment to a a system where we predict what you're gonna do and not having privacy anymore
0: right i mean these people are these people are criminals they're murderers they're doing horrible things we should punish them. We, and and we can stop the murders before they happen. Why wouldn't that be a great system? Right.
1: Well, here's why. Yeah. Case in point, it's it, it's great. It's It was such an interesting film. And again, my exposure to sci-fi happened a little later in life, at least the depth of sci-fi. And, and this is another one of those mm-hmm. movies that I hope people who are not as familiar with sci-fi watch um, and, and just kind of see how, how cool it is when it's when it's in a great visionary's hands
0: the thing that works so well for me about minority report is not only that it's it's dystopian but that it is it, it nailed all of the ways that our world is really scary mm. i mean we because Spielberg knew as soon as we start tracking people by biometrics and uh, you know, your your retinal scan and so on and so forth. You meld that with big data and, you know, your shopping patterns and everything. And then you walk into the gap and then they're going to say, oh, did you like those jeans you bought? Here's two more pairs just like them. Like that is your shopping experience right. online now. That we we are there. And Spielberg like barely had to predict that. It just, you know, he's like, hey, this is going to happen. And and it is that's our life, and we're we're already living in that, just to a slightly lesser extent.
1: So to a uh, to a lighter point, let me ask you what you think about this. The the movie really has relatively unknown actors, other than maybe Colin Farrell, Max von Sydow, and obviously Tom Cruise. Initially, he had Matt Damon, Meryl Streep, Ian McKellen, Kate Blanchett, and Jenna Elfman. To in these roles, and even the the part of Colin Farrell, I believe, was going to be Javier Bardem after Matt Damon turned it down. So, this is this was a question we'll talk we talk about a lot. But do you think the movie was better served in in the dystopian idea with lesser known actors? Like, do you think more well known actors would have? Because you know Spielberg tends to cast. At, at least in his earlier years, relatively unknown people. You know, we talk about Jaws, and there weren't really, at the time, they weren't really huge stars. I mean, Jurassic Park had some relatively uh, interesting cast and in that no one was really a star per se. Um, and, and it seemed like this movie kind of worked in the same vein, where because you didn't have big names, the theme was able to carry the movie, rather than, hey, that's Matt Damon.
0: Right, you know, but, but I don't know. What do you think? I agree, and the the only thing that draws me out of that movie is Tom Cruise, and it's huh. not that I dislike Tom Cruise. I think he actually did a, a fine job in this, but I think it could have been done by someone else that would where the the marketing wouldn't have hit me. It's like Tom Cruise, Minority Report. It would have been you know just a, right. a little bit. Uh, fine. I mean, the only the only movie that I've seen in like the last fifteen years where uh, it's been starring Tom Cruise and where I've been completely fine with it uh, was um, Edge of Tomorrow, where he gets killed five hundred times because that was just so psychically cleansing at the time. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm down to see uh, Tom Cruise get shot a bunch. Sure, let's do that. Um, I being that big of a star I think is almost a distraction with some of this and so the rest of the cast being relatively unknown um was great and especially I thought like Colin Farrell was like oh what a you know what a find what a what a revelation and then he just never quite lived up to that in in many other pictures or many other films phone booth maybe but other than that like I think he kind of petered off after that. And this was arguably his best role.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, I don't hide my appreciation for Tom Cruise. I, I, I don't, I don't really pay that much attention to actors and musicians outside of their, their roles. So I always like Tom Cruise movies. I pretty much go to all of them. So um, I, I, I understand why people think it, it was cleansing for him to be an edge of tomorrow, but I gotta be honest. I just, I like the effort. I like that. He goes all out. Um, i I wish more actors and, and actresses would would give the effort that he does into roles, regardless of who he is as a person, right? I just think I mean dudes hanging from helicopters mm-hmm. and sitting underwater and all kinds of things and um, I, I think we're gonna lose that that brand of actor and actress soon um, at least in action films, maybe not in dramas, but um, okay, I think so, you're right. So I like that. I like, I like that discussion. Let's go to your post-1995 most representative Spielberg.
0: Uh, again, this might be a little bit controversial of a choice, but I'm going to go with his most recent Ready Player One. Um, for for oh, a lot okay. of the same reasons that I chose E.T. as his most representative. Um, I, okay. uh, at the same time, I think this is kind of a cheat. Because this movie, this source material, was always destined to be Spielbergian. Spielberg is name-checked in the book that Ernie Klein wrote at least a half dozen times. And the entire conceit for the film is, you know, what if a guy who was obsessed with Steven Spielberg and John Hughes and Pac-Man and all of these things... Uh, you know, created this giant immersive computer game, and uh, and hid an Easter egg in it, uh, and did a Willy Wonka and told people to go and find it in order to inherit his chocolate factory. So, in some ways, it it was always going to be tailor made for Spielberg, um, but he did he did a couple of things that I thought were so interesting with that source material. Uh, one of which is. Uh, now, have have you seen Ready Player One yet?
1: I have not, but you okay. can go ahead and tell me spoilers because I'll is, watch it soon.
0: Yeah, okay. So minor minor spoiler alert. Uh, there is a certain point where this is not in the book at all, and I think it's the best part part in the movie. They have to go and find a clue in a recreation of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And it is masterful because it ceases being... Ernie Klein geeking out about the the stuff that Ernie Klein cares about and uh, Spielberg movies. And it's suddenly Spielberg as filmmaker geeking out about hmm. something he loves, The Shining, and how important and how layered that was. And I got that uh, for a movie that's already very meta It was, I could appreciate it on that even higher level. And I think that only Spielberg uh, would have really been able to bring that in that way. Uh, And that being said, Spielberg is the master of, you know, uh, kid-centric adventure movies. And that's what this is. And, you know, Hmm. kid goes on a quest to, you know, to take over the chocolate factory. And um, I, it's it's a great film, an incredibly entertaining film, and uh, I I'm actually surprised it didn't take off more than it did. Uh, I think it's going to continue to uh, pick up steam as it ends up on on home video in the next couple of months. But um, but it's my kids' favorite Spielberg movie, and uh, I think I think that says something for what. It means for him in terms of his longevity.
1: Yeah, and I think that was one of the distinctions you and I talked about when we brought up the difference between you know pre nineteen ninety five, which is what what do the the older generation you know what do what do us as adults older adults remember as kids, um, and versus what what do the kids these days you know remember, mm-hmm. um, you know you you look at his movies from. Nineteen ninety five on, and, and it's a really interesting hodgepodge. I mean, you and I talked about this. His pre ninety five stuff, uh, he seemed to have s- some thematic components where he he did you know really important dramas, really cool action films, uh, you know a little bit of sci fi here and there. Um, I, I think since ninety five it, it's a it's a different bag. You know, he's got his his fun movies like Catch Me If You Can. Uh, he's got his his sci fi that did or didn't go over well like war of the worlds which i like more than most people uh he, he's got the the kids films like War Horse mm-hmm. and bfg uh, and then he's got the dramas again and i think that's where i went with my most representative is, is i still think he was really great at making drama uh, and i chose lincoln um i think i think the reason i chose lincoln is not just because of his work as a director but again it was it was really well written and it had a great actor um, and and I think that's mm-hmm. again the thing that Spielberg does so well is he pulls that trifecta of a really great film, a really great script, and a really great actor. Now people will debate till they 're blue in the face about how accurate it is and, and a lot of historians will go back and forth and say they overestimated some they underestimated some um, you, you read a lot of historians and they say look it's it's you know maybe seventy to ninety percent on the mark but that's something in hollywood you know (laughs) so not bad it's it's not that everything's true but uh, i like the there's a a quote that a guy named dr david woodard said and he said quote i always look at these films to see if a regular person who wasn't a lincoln nut would want to read a book about it after they watch the movie i get the impression that people who are not history buffs will now want to read something about lincoln Uh, and i think to a lot of points that you made that's what makes spielberg so great is he takes material uh, and, and makes them something that people want to attend to and want to get more involved in, whether it's, you know, his, his older stuff, like the color purple, which, which changed a lot of people's perceptions as it, cause it was an amazing movie, Amistad Munich, Lincoln. Um, I mean, even the sci-fi ones we've, we've talked about, it. it's really him drawing people in by his skill as a director. So let's go to, oh, what did you think about Lincoln, by the way, before we move on?
0: i i like lincoln i think it's very good um i mean i'm a sucker for historical fiction and i think that's kind of my problem with it is i just mm-hmm. i felt like it was such just kind of there even though it's like oh this is obviously great and um in in that sense i kind of feel the same way i felt about the post uh, another spielberg movie it's like Oh, this is obviously great. It's very important. It's incredibly poignant. It just, for some reason, like I, I'm, I'm not going to rip on it or say anything's bad, but it just, there was something missing for me. Um, I think about another movie that, that came out, uh, at about the same time, the conspirator, um, by, uh, Robert referred with, uh, James McAvoy, uh, and, For some reason, like that hit me way harder than Lincoln did. Uh, They're both about, you know, almost the exact same time period. Uh, It's James McAvoy as the lawyer defending, uh, you know, the the people who were involved in the Lincoln conspiracy. And, um, you know, I I just I don't know why that Lincoln's a great movie, but it just it just didn't hit me.
1: One of the things I think we'll need to talk about. We won't do it on this podcast. So everyone who's listening, pay attention. And uh, for a, maybe a future blog post or something, I wonder if he had made Lincoln in 1992. Is it as hard? Is it as harshly mm-hmm. reviewed before social media? If he made, if he made Munich in it's 1991, 1988, is it the same? And, and again, I d- I think to your point, I. I I, I think we're so much more aware of accuracy and inaccuracy, quote unquote, or what we want a story to be. I mean, if you keep to Doris Goodwin's book, no one's going to complain about mm-hmm. Lincoln, right? Right. But you're also going to have a 74-hour movie because she just she's an amazing writer, and you'll never she's
0: she's just one of the best. Ever. Well, and he took like one, one chapter out of that. <laughs> Seven hundred
1: like He had like a 5,000-page script or something in a, for a month of Lincoln's life, you know, or some ridiculous 500-page script. Yeah. So it's it's a difficult life to write about. Um, but one of the things mm-hmm. that, that we'll talk about, I think, later is would it have changed? Because um, Andy and I debate a lot about does social media influence how art and music and culture is viewed? And, and I think that's something we need to talk about because – Um, I wonder if we would have had the same perspective if we would have seen Lincoln as 13 and 14 year olds, you know, I think Rosalie Rosalie McKay's class um, and it it might've blown our mind. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll hit on that later. So for the time being, let's come back to what do you think is the first movie since 1995 people think of from Steven
0: Spielberg? Uh, Yeah. uh, Again, discounting, saving private Ryan, um, Correct. But I think it goes to catch me if you can, um, just because of the kind of star power and, uh, that, that movie made a lot of money. It was very successful. It was a critic, critical success. Um, I, 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 think people generally really like the movie and, uh, it was, it was just a very good movie. Um, I really like it. I, I think it's fun. Um, was that was the that first? No, that wasn't the first Tom Hanks movie because that was Save Private Ryan, but um, one of the earlier. That was, was the, the second. That was the first of the airport
1: Tom Hanks Correct. Spielberg movies. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Before the terminal. Yep. So uh,
0: I, I just really like that. Um, there there are a ton of other, again, we talk about the casting of these movies. you got uh, Martin Sheen in there in a small role and uh, just great actors and great performances all over that movie. And I love a good kind of heist movie, uh, a detective story, uh, a cat and mouse story. And this had all of that. And uh, I just, I think, I think people really like that. And uh, when people think Spielberg, there you go. So I'm going to give you one
1: that may surprise you. Okay. I'm going to say the most the the movie that people think of the most, Spielberg post nineteen ninety-five, is The Lost World. Really? I'm gonna go with this because I think it's the most disappointing Spielberg film. Agreed. And I think and I think the reason people think of it is because it was really surprising that he made a movie that people considered so poorly. that that it was really, that people thought it was such a bad movie. I did not think Lost World was terrible. I thought it was formulaic in the sense that I'd already seen the movie. Um, You know, the characters were a little boring. The the special effects were great. The action was great. Um, I think having Jeff Goldblum front and center was great, but I, I just think people are still talking about that movie going, how do you not make a sequel in a lot of ways? Does, does that make sense? I, I, I really feel like people are still really surprised at Lost World. Um, that, that you make Jurassic Park as an incredible movie, and then to some people you make Lost World, which a lot of people consider a turkey. Um, and I, I think a lot of it was because I, I don't know that the... I mean, the plot is supposed to be uh, reminiscent of one of my favorite films called Hatari... Uh, which had John Wayne in it and one of the best theme songs ever, "The Baby Elephant Walk," uh, by Henry Mancini. But uh, you know, I, I don't think the theme, you know, herbivores versus carnivores or animals being captured for zoos and competing, you know, biology companies. I I just don't think it worked, and I think we're really surprised by that. Um, I, I, I it made a ton of money. It was you know everything was was fine with it, at least in terms of theater, but. I just, I mean, you look at his movies. He didn't really make a bad movie until 1997, and a lot of people just thought that was—is mm-hmm. this it for Spielberg? This this movie? So I think we're still talking about right. it um, as this really surprising film. I, I really like your choice of of uh, Catch Me If You Can. Um, I, I I thought about Ready Player One, like you said, because I think that's that's going to be the next generation of of Spielberg. Um, but but I really do. I think Lost World. I, I think even people forgave Crystal Skull because, you know, hey, he doesn't make all great sequels sometimes. You know, hide in a fridge during a nuclear bomb. That's fine. It's, 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 not, it's not Lost World. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I like Lost World because it had dinosaurs and Jeff Goldblum in it. So uh, I, I just think that's the one that people are still talking about because you know maybe ai would be in that same vein where it's like oh that that didn't work um but i think lost sure. world was that big surprise what did you see lost world in the theater
0: i saw lost world on a plane between new york and moscow <laughs> believe it or not so that's I when you on <laughs> i saw lost world um yeah. so not the best theater going experience um uh but i was like oh Okay, yeah, it's it's dinosaurs attacking San Diego, um, a, a place where we have both lived and uh, there's there's a certain fun to that. Um but the the build up to it was kind of just a yeah, uh, eh, it was okay. Um I it it didn't hit quite the same way. And uh, I think it was it, it had all of the problems yeah. of your regular sequel and people don't expect Spielberg to do that.
1: If anybody else directs that movie, it, it isn't a problem. Yeah, you know, like Probably Jurassic true. Park three. Somebody mm-hmm. else directs Jurassic Park three. Nobody cares. It's it's a summer movie. It's decent. It's fine. Yeah, I, you know, Lost had such an expectation that I think um, it's it still. And I remember a little bit of that with Crystal Skull too. With um, oh, great, it's a new Indiana Jones film, and then everybody remembered Harrison Ford was you know right, super right. old and i think expectations were tempered a little bit but um yeah that's that's the one i i loved catch me if you can i loved the terminal i thought they were both great i I hope those of you who haven't seen them go watch them um but but i also I, i hope people watch lost world again in the vein of you know maybe time has passed enough to forgive old hurts and you can just enjoy like you said you can enjoy dinosaurs again not on a plane on your way to russia
0: Right. there, And there's, there's certain elements of it. I mean, uh, one of my favorite pieces of that is uh, one of the quotes from Goldblum where he's like, oh, this is how it always is. People, people are always like, ooh, ah, and then the running and the screaming and <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, you've just, you've set the expectation for what every other Jurassic Park movie is going to be from here to the end of time. And you are right. Yes, yeah. that's exactly how it's going to be. Yeah, and
1: then how interesting that here's this this first movie that was so involved, um, and again, popcorn movie, but had a lot of depth and and great characters, like you said with the casting. And then here comes the Lost World, and it's really just what a normal summer blockbuster is now, right. which is pretty and shiny and kind yeah. of vapid, you yeah. know. And there's not a lot to it. Um, and but it did it it's carried on uh, a another generation of jurassic park so we can't say that he isn't doing it correctly we just i i just i think people are still um i don't want to say disappointed but i i think there yeah, could have been more okay. to it so uh anyway so that was our spielberg trip titch uh, as as we mentioned we did take out schindler's list which is Probably my favorite movie of all time, Saving Private Ryan. Two movies which Andy and I consider uh, upper Thank echelon you. of great films of all time. Um, but we will be back with more about those movies and, and other triptychs about actors, musicians, directors, uh, anything that strikes our fancy. Until then, I'm JB.
0: I'm Andy. And... And I guess I guess this could have been worse. Sure. he's <laughs> oh, totally gonna let you yes. do that one. And then I <laughs> out. Yeah, I should have done a, I done a hand. I should have done. That's the way it is. <laughs> Meanwhile, shut this off. Shut these all up. I'm warning you. Turning off these machines would be extremely hazardous. I'll tell you what's hazardous. You're facing federal prosecution for at least a half a dozen environmental violations. Now, either
1: you shut off these beams, or we shut them up for you. All we have is what to do with the time that was given to us. You shut that thing down, and we are not going to be held responsible for contract, whatever happens. To be no, we won't be. Shut it off. Hate is always foolish.
0: Love is always wise. I always try to be nice. But never fail to be kind. Don't shut it off. I'm warning you. I, I've never seen anything like this before. I don't know. I'm it. not interested in your opinion. Just shut it off.
1: Could be worse.
0: And to make a long story
1: short, too late! It. It. It's worse. Shut it off!